Welcome in to Revealing Grace. This is a podcast focused on the revelation of God's redeeming grace throughout all of Scripture and the power that it has to transform lives eternally. I'm Chris Sobak, and here in a moment you'll hear from Dr. Brian Chapel. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes in his letter to the church at Ephesus, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Now, as within this passage, we can often find ourselves disparaging or acting harshly toward our fellow believers, and it's these very actions that not only hurt our witness to the world, but they can also lead to our own disillusionment in the faith. In this episode, Brian and I discuss Paul's charge to be imitators of God, and we'll also uncover examples of what can help bring us back to the light when we find ourselves in a spiritual desert. If you're interested in watching us record this episode, I encourage you, go to brianchapel.com and you can watch our video conference right there on the homepage. You can also turn to Ephesians 4 verse 31 through Ephesians 5 verse 10 as we discuss walking as children of light. Welcome, uh, Brian, once again. We're, we're back to doing a Zoom call here and trying that out. Um, I thought I would still start out the podcast with a revealing question, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So since we are in this time of uh, quarantine or sheltering in place, um, what is the first thing that you're going to do when this is over and we're able to leave our houses? <laughs> uh, go to a restaurant or an ice cream shop. All right. Okay. Well, okay. So I, I don't know if this is, I guess I make up the rules, but it's so a follow-up question. If you go to an ice cream shop, what is your order? Rocky road and chocolate mint. All right. Okay. Good choices. Good choices. All right. Well, there we go. We had our revealing question. Um, so if someone is watching this, I don't know if we're going to actually do that or not, but if they are and they occasionally see a little baby's head, I am holding my son right now. So these are the, the times that we live in and trying to work and, and take care of kids and figure out how that all plays together. So that is, is that is a forewarning. When, you, when your cat walks across the screen, I'll also watch that. <laughs> <laughs> There's any number of things that could happen here. So, um, <clears throat> all right. Well, so the last podcast that we recorded um, was from a little while ago, and um, you were talking about uh, Acts, uh, Acts 1, 8, and then Acts 2 were the, the last two podcasts. And so talking about the working of the Holy Spirit, and then specifically talking about the role that the church has as a result of the working of the Holy Spirit and going to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, so like that's kind of where we had left off. And I know there have been a few sermons since then, but as we get into this sermon where you're speaking from Ephesians, you know, we talked about the importance of, of having all those different um, parts of the church come together, having people from different backgrounds, the importance of them being together. But then in this sermon, we hear somewhat about some of the difficulties that we can face as a result of having people who have some different backgrounds. So um, why don't you share just a little bit about the passage and a, kind of what your, your focus was as you presented it. Sure. Um, this was the beginning of Ephesians 5, where uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, telling people to uh, live as children of light. And basically he's saying, what does that mean? Well, 
uh, imitate God. And you're kind of, well, piece of cake, how do I do that? Um, you know, imitate God. And then he said, uh, as God's beloved children. So it was a reminder that when you have the church at Ephesus where people all different kinds of background, faith backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, uh, commercial backgrounds, national backgrounds are coming into this ancient city of uh, great commercial enterprise. Um, they're beginning to believe in the Lord Jesus. And when they do, they're gathering together in the church and Paul, the apostle, anticipating what that means, says, so put away all anger and malice and wrath and be kind and tenderhearted toward one another, forgiving as God in Christ forgave you. And it's just, just a reminder that if this church is to be this great witness of Christ in the world, that it can't just be fighting like the rest of the world that the witness of Christ is going to require a spirit of Jesus within the church that is going to be the strength of its witness. And the apostle well knows that that's going to be hard. And so we were kind of dealing with what would it mean to be uh, uh, in the apostle's place, trying to pull people together for the sake of the witness of Christ. And yet the people you're pulling together are just, ordinary people with ordinary problems and ordinary prejudices trying to get along in the church and kind of reminded ourselves that um, we're not the first church to struggle with witnessing to all generations and all peoples. You know, I was thinking, I know something that certainly all pastors do, but I know that you really focus on is like, okay, how does this passage apply to us today? You know, it, it the word is, alive, it's living and breathing, and, and there's always something for us to take from it. But sometimes I feel like you have to, you know, maybe dig a little deeper to see where that is. In this, for this passage and for this sermon, I felt like it was so clear from the get-go, there's so much that applies to us today. I mean, I know as far as there being prejudice and infighting and people comparing themselves, and like, when you have all those options, like, where where do you turn? Well, what was your thought, especially during this time where you're giving a sermon to an, you know, empty pews right now, people are tuning in online. <laughs> Not very threatening when you talk to empty pews. <laughs> now the emails following may be an issue, but right then. That, that uh, is not, fair. Yeah. Not, not many people upset when you're, uh, when you're speaking to a church full of empty pews, but of course, uh, lots of people watching online and, and on the broadcasts and so forth. But you know, when you read a passage, that says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander be put away from you. And uh, honestly, because we're a church that's a church, I was uh, in this past week reviewing some, some texts from some people who were upset about something. And I just kind of said, you know, what happens when you shelter in place? You got lots of time to fume <laughs> over things and, you know, just kind of... Um, sarcasm rules, and what, what is that all about? Well, it's about proving I am more of something because you are less of something. So what was Paul struggling with in the church? He was struggling with uh, people who came from a Greek culture that worshiped the mind, right? The arts, literature, philosophy. Uh, there were those people who said, look, look at the great achievements of human wisdom, and they're gathering in a church that's based upon an ancient Jewish religion, 
Um, and in Jewish religion, always the temptation is to kind of worship your practices. Look, I'm doing more and better than you. And you've, you've got people who are worshiping the mind, and you've got people who are worshiping their achievements, what they've been able to do in their practices, and suddenly recognize we've got those people all around us. You know, the people who's, who you know, kind of say, you simpletons, I know better than you that you're struggling with this. And others who say, well, I'm more devoted than you because I'm doing this. And for the Apostle Paul to say, you know what? Uh, we're not here to worship your mind, and we're not here to worship your hands. We're here to worship the Lord Jesus. And, and if you're really worshiping the Lord Jesus, that, that usually is not going to be best expressed in sarcasm and satire and taking other people down a peg or two in the way that you address them. As easy as that is to do, and, you know, Paul here talks about the church expressing the aroma of Christ, and what I tried to say, I, I know weekly, is um, if people are sniffing out the church in this day of pandemic, if they're sniffing out the church and it just smells like the world, that witness is not going to work, and what, what signals that alternative society is people who are forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us, who look at people who are not maybe as smart as they are, not maybe as devoted as they are, and still are representative of the image of God in all people. And so I deal with you with gentleness and respect, even if you've hurt me, even if you're not doing the things I think you should. And so all I did was try to think of those situations in our lives and say, doesn't this passage apply to us? And, and what I know, Chris, when I read words like, <clears throat> you know, you should be tender-hearted, forgiving one another without slander, or anger, or malice, that if you're like me, what I almost immediately do is I start looking for the exceptions. Wait, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have to do that, do I? I mean, if they, did, if they said that, if they did that, and I start looking for the other verses that allow me to do something different, yeah. And it's almost automatically saying to me, I'm not really hearing what the Apostle Paul wanted me to hear because I'm, I'm looking for the reason I can continue to do what I want rather than what the Lord Jesus wants. When you're an early Christian, and you also talk about this, you, you, know, you, you have that joy and that excitement about realizing kind of for the first time maybe that, that you know, God loves us and he forgives us. And there's just so much air that comes with that. There's like this joy and this lightness. And then over time you kind of can get weighted down by the world. And, and so thinking about that, how, how would one deal with, with that understanding of knowing like your witness could be, could be hurt as a result of, of kind of that, that malice towards others. Well, uh, yeah, and it's not only being weighed down by the world. Sometimes it's being weighed down by the church, you know, that we, mm -hmm. we look at every church that's imperfect and maybe our church that's hurt us or not fulfilling, being all that we wish it were, and we use all the weaknesses and hypocrisy in the church to say to ourselves, well, I get a right to criticize those people, or maybe, maybe this faith thing just isn't real if people can't live this way. And so um, the person I pointed to was, uh, as you know, Francis Schaeffer, 
who in the 20th century, you know, was that, that great intellect who was ministering to uh, college students who had rejected the faith of their parents. And he said, you know, honest answers to honest questions, just ask me whatever, I'll answer the best I can. And despite the fact that he was part of a movement that was standing for the truth of Scripture and, and established a denomination that would be true to the faith, he had a crisis of faith because the very people who had fought with him for the truth of Scripture were fighting with one another or labeling other people in derogatory terms if they, if they didn't agree with what they said. And Schaefer began to say, if the Bible is real about this Jesus and he has so little influence, even in the church, then maybe he's not real at all. And the witness that withered was not just outward, it was the witness of the church to even a powerful Christian like Francis Schaeffer. And so he talked about what ultimately changed him was two things. First, if Christ did not die for our sins, if there was no way for a fallen world and fallen Christians to be reconciled to God, I mean, what were the consequences? And so he said he, he ultimately, even though we'd gone back to his agnosticism that God wasn't real or wasn't knowable, that he ultimately began to say, I think I was right to become a Christian. But what, as you just said, what kind of eroded away in me was the joy of being claimed by God. And he said, I had to rediscover what it meant to find moment by moment in my life what it meant to be saved by the shed blood of Jesus. Not just that was a proposition back there somewhere, but that same joy of my conversion moment, I would claim again. And it's what the Apostle Paul talked about, where, where he said, yes, imitate God. You know, don't be mean toward one another as God forgave you in Christ, forgive one another. But his key words, the Apostle was, as beloved children, that what ultimately changes you is the present value of the blood of Christ. Moment by moment, remembering he died for me, and that makes me precious to God as, as much as a treasure as Jesus is to God himself, the Son to the Father. I am that precious to God. I'm his beloved child. And claiming that truth moment by moment is what fills us with joy that not only is our strength, but takes pride out of our witness and makes us humble again and actually fills us with joy that, that is that sweetness of the faith that makes the world wonder what we got. So uh, that was a long way around of saying it, it's, it's, being, it's being entranced with the beauty of being a child of God moment by moment because God gave Jesus for us. That's so simple. It's so simple, but it's so transforming. And so that's what the Apostle Paul made the basis for relationships in the church. How can you take any pride if you're won by the blood of Christ? And how can you be angry at other people if Christ purchased them with his blood? Um, it, it changes us, a simple thing. And it changed Francis Schaeffer too, brought him back to the faith. There are a few things that you said that, that really struck me. Um, one is, you know, you said to almost being entranced, you know, by um, 
just thinking about, about God and his love for us. And I think that, you know, I know growing up in a, in a Christian home, like that kind of childhood faith, like that just childhood wonder. Um, I'm, I very much can remember that and know how easily you can lose that. Cause I think the, unfortunately, the more involved you get in the church, the more you can either become jaded or become hurt. Um, and, and so what I, I think probably in various generations, but I know certainly in my generation, one of the things that gets talked about a lot is, um, how can we be relevant or real? You know, like we need to be real. Like that's, you know, like millennials, that's what we really want to see, right? We want to see that people are being real. And so how do you show that? You know, how do you, how do you show that you're being real? And I think something that never becomes irrelevant and, and, um, is never perceived as unreal is love, you know, and, and showing Christ's love and his, showing his heart. And I think like that is the most relevant and the most real thing that we could ever draw upon. Um, and I think if our, I'm just, just speaking here, you know, but I think like if, if that's, <laughs> um, but if like, if that's our, our focus, then, then, how could someone not be drawn to that? Because they're not drawn to us anymore. You know, they're drawn to, to God, to the working of the Holy spirit and to his love for his children. You know, I really was thinking about, you know, the world, I just feel like the world is really hurting right now. And I know that that's not unique to this period of time, but, um, but there's, there's a lot of ways in which we're hurting because of our circumstances and a lot of ways in which we're hurting each other. And, and so how do we move forward from that? All right. Where did Francis Schaefer go? What, what ultimately is the answer for the church being the witness that's supposed to be? Well, he said, it's not just having great propositions. It's not just having great practice. It's having love in your heart. And I said, now anybody hears that, they go, well, duh. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, nobody does a head slap and goes, oh, that's the answer. It's love. In fact, we, we diminish it. We kind of go, well, come on. You know, you're, you're a preacher. You're supposed to talk about that stuff. And I think, well, then try to live it. You know, how hard is that when you've been hurt or you see other people acting in callous or unkind or unchristian ways in the church, how easy it is just to go after them or, or resign ourselves to some other existence that doesn't have to care for people. Suddenly we discover why it is so powerful when people forgive as Christ, as God in Christ forgave us. And, uh, and and treasure other people who are as treasured as us in all of our weakness. And um, it's really hard. And yet what makes it possible is, again, that present value of the blood of Christ. He loved me enough to give himself for me, not just years ago, but every day. Chris, how many people, you know, your age, my age, look back and they say, you know, when I was a teenager, I was really on fire for the Lord. You know, I can remember when it really meant something. And we talk about kind of that dry dust of years that has made it less significant. And what brings it back is that moment by moment reality of he loves me still. I'm still his beloved child. And that gives us joy that is strength to forgive, to rejoice again. <laughs> we even talked about dancing again, uh, to walk in the sunlight, as the apostle said. I mean, I, I just think of that image of Francis Schaeffer and he's walking on the mountains and, you know, there's those storm clouds over there and, and, and there's the dark valleys over there, 
But right now he's in the sunlight and, and in the mountain path of sunlight, he's, he's just experiencing the beauty of God who claimed him. And that, that walking in the light that brings us joy again, allows us to love again out of, out of the reality of the moment by moment present value of the blood of Christ. You sharing all that um, reminded me. So uh, during this, this time where we're, we're sheltering in place, um, we had already had this scheduled, but our, our house needed to be painted. Okay. <laughs> and so they still came to do that, but part of doing so they had to cover all the windows. So when you're stuck at home, not able to leave, oh, then no, all your windows your <laughs> and all your windows are closed and you're there just with your family. Um, and you like groceries are delivered. So we literally, we spent a week of no sunlight just wow. together. They finished and we went for a walk as a family and the sun was out. We were all together and it was a moment of reflection of first off, we need the sunlight, <laughs> but, but also I like, I, I feel like I understand what you were just talking about, you know, walking in, in and basking in that sun, that was a very literal experience of being completely separated from the light, but how much more you appreciate it when you then are able to return to the light. And when you're dancing in the sunlight, it's a little easier to love people and to forgive people <laughs> and to live yeah. without wrath and clamor and slander and anger and bitterness when you're For sure. in the sunlight. And that's yeah. what the Apostle Paul is saying. You're, you're God's beloved child, so walk in the light. And, and it kind of changes your demeanor toward other people. And, and why is that important? I mean, Francis Schaeffer said, you know, we're so concerned in the church for what he called orthodoxy of doctrine, that we have the right answers. But he said, just as important for the witness of the church is orthodoxy of community, that, that there's the heart of Christ and the way we treat each other. And somehow that's just a lot easier when you're walking in the light. And uh, that's, that's what he's teaching us to do. We would say, Chris, because of what you did, you wouldn't tout your own horn, but I will. Uh, you know, we ended that service with something very unusual for our church with a video of people dancing. And I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It was like, it was amazing. It was, it amazing. was amazing. And yet, it was interesting because we have traditional people in our church, how, how even the, the leaders just began to buzz in the various social media and in their texts and in their emails saying, did you see that? Did you see that? That was wonderful. There was just this joy of, of people relishing uh, dancing in the sunlight. And, you know, it was visually something that you put together in that wonderful video but it was what they were experiencing. They were re-experiencing that beauty of being the beloved child of God. And it, it took away a little of our own carping over certain things. And, you know, I was expecting the emails. How could we have dancing in a church service? <laughs> we, we didn't get any of that. We, That's we wonderful. Just got, we got this wonderful rejoicing in the joy of being God's precious children. And that was worth dancing to. So <laughs> thank you, Chris. It was, it was a beautiful moment. It really was. It was very special. What was beautiful about that for me was um, I had given very little direction and it was 
to, for the listener, there's a, a song that was just released by the worship team at Grace um, under Grace Worship, and it's called Psalm of Thanksgiving. And it's a just a wonderful, joyful, joy-filled song. And I wanted people to sing along with it and to move as they felt led. And... <laughs> And like, that's what came back. And it was just people like dancing and jumping and, and just being joy filled. And it, I could have never, ever scripted such a wonderful response. Like it was, it was completely just people setting up their phones and doing whatever the spirit led them to do. And it was just, it was so joyful to see. And so it was really amazing to be able to share that with the congregation. Um, so yeah, that, that really was wonderful. And and maybe we can just kind of remind ourselves that's where the apostle takes us. He doesn't talk about dancing. He talks about walking in the light. But nonetheless, when you're, when you're in the light of God's love for you uh, and dancing in that sunlight, um, it's a little hard to be angry with other people. And see, Hudson's waking up, so we need to stop. He is. He is. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And, and yeah, I... Maybe I will spend a little time now walking in the light with, with my kids, but I appreciate your time and always glad to be able to, to just discuss the sermon that you gave and, uh, and the way that the Lord is re- working and revealing His grace in our lives. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Revealing Grace. You know, we are still adjusting and learning how to produce new content amidst this time of pandemic. Uh, You got to hear my son there at the end of the podcast as I am also trying to figure out how to adjust. We'd love to hear from you, um, how maybe you're adjusting during this time. Also, we'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Um, maybe you like uh, being able to see the, the video conferencing that, that we do, uh, which is available at brianchapel.com. You can see that video. Um, let us know what you think of that. You can email us at revealinggrace at brianchapel.com. Now, if you go to brianchapel.com, you can, as I mentioned, see this video. And there are so many other free resources that are available as well. So I encourage you to to explore that. And also, if you're seeking additional training, uh, pastoral or ministry training, you can look at the courses section of the website and see all the courses that Brian himself teaches. And he has so much to to be able to offer and to share and, and to help you grow in your ministry. One of the things that that we discussed toward the end of the podcast was the song Psalm of Thanksgiving and the video that we produced for it. If you would like to see that video, uh, the link is in the show notes, um, but we will also make that link available from brianchapel.com. So if you are interested in seeing what we were talking about, you can check it out there. I hope that that video can bring joy to you in the same way that it has to me and to Brian and We hope that you'll join us again next time for the next episode of Revealing Grace.